Dirty Talk, Plain Talk, Unrivaled Talk, Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. My voice appears to have returned relatively to normal, so we shall see uh, how long that lasts. We've got a pretty long day going on today, so uh, it will be required. There's lots going on. Uh, there's also a quite a lot not going on, because if you're a teacher, of course, you will be on strike today. You may not be on strike, but you may not be in the school nonetheless, because an awful lot of schools have had to shut down. Why? Not because they didn't know uh, whether they could open because they didn't have enough teachers, but because they didn't actually know how many teachers were going to on strike. This has been a spat that I've been having since about Friday afternoon when I got a letter from my own son's school basically saying we do not know how many teachers are going to go out on strike on Wednesday so therefore unfortunately we will have to shut the school. So an awful lot of people sitting at home right now looking after their school-aged children uh, because they don't have any choice. So a lot of people not able to go to work today, not able to make money in some cases because of the teachers going on strike, despite the fact that they got a 9% pay rise last October and despite the fact that they are in some of the best paid jobs in the public sector. Uh, there'll be plenty of time for you to argue with me. If you are a striking teacher and you're not actually on the picket line, congratulations, well done uh, for putting another great spanner in the works of the civilised world. Uh, if you are, however, on the picket line, we may be catching up with you because we've got a roving reporter out and about uh, on the streets today to find out exactly what is happening. But I'll guarantee you this, we will go to the picket line and what you will see is a load of smiling, grinning faces and people singing ridiculous chants. Socialists who wish to be, of course, socialist teachers. They like to teach about socialism. They like to teach that capitalism is wrong, all the while making more than average uh, payment from uh, various other points, so east, west, north and south. The leader of the teachers' union, uh, the NEU, makes about £220,000 a year. Not very socialist wages those, are they? But we'll be talking about the rest of us, those of us who don't go to strike, uh, those of us who are not on strike today. There's about half a million people on strike, apparently. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the way Britain works. It's not going to change the way the economy goes. It will change not a thing. And for one reason and one reason alone, I can say at least this government's doing one thing right, and that's not caving in to the strikers. 0344 499 1000. Also, we'll be talking about wood burning stoves because apparently the government wants to come after you uh, for having a wood burning stove. They reckon uh, that there might be somebody knocking on your door if you've got a wood burning stove. It might be that you are somehow polluting the world and therefore you will have to be told off or at the very least fined. This is the latest thing uh, that they're going to send council workers round to do. So we'll be talking about that coming up as well. Also, of course, another death unfortunately in this country. Uh, two that we're going to talk about today. One, a young girl, four-year-old, killed by a dangerous dog, uh, which has now been put down. We'll get into that. And also a woman killed by an asylum seeker, a failed asylum seeker, somebody who didn't have their asylum uh, granted and who nonetheless decided to kill somebody just for good measure. We'll be talking about all of that as well. 0344 499 1000. Prime Minister's questions later on. Nick Dubois will be here to help us with that, uh, where Rishi Sunak uh, fights off uh, the ridiculously weak attacks of Sakir Starm. We'll see how that goes. Uh, William Clouston is here from the SDP as well. We'll kick things off with him. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it on.
This is Talk TV. It is the place to be. It's a beautiful sunny day out there, actually. Blue sky, no clouds. Very nice indeed. Quite a good day to be off on strike uh, if you can afford it. And of course, if you are a teacher, you can afford it because you get paid pretty well uh, and it doesn't really count. In fact, you might even be still getting paid today because the fact that the schools have shut down voluntarily mean that you can still put in for a day's work because you were prevented from going to the school to actually work. William Clouston's here. William, very good morning to you. Great to be back. Nice to see you. Um, so today's the day that we've got mm. the biggest number of people striking since about the 1970s, is it? Probably, yeah. Something probably like the 70s, that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, to what purpose would be my first question? Well, they, uh, I can understand uh, workers in any industry uh, wanting their costs looked after. That what, what you really have here is a clash between two sets of costs and mathematics, really. You've got mm. domestic costs which are you know food fuel uh housing costs um and the bank of england is going to probably put up interest rates this this week by another half percent so they'll tighten the screw so they're facing that and it's not unreasonable that facing that they try and get a pay rise the problem is that that set of economics the domestic set of economics is clashing with a national set of economics because the government can't balance its books mm. and you've got sharon graham the uh, general secretary of unite saying uh, we want inflation plus. It's, it can't be done. I right. mean, the money isn't there to have uh, a pay uh, rise of that kind. Um, so, but in know, the she, case of teachers, right, they got a nine percent pay rise back yeah. in October of last yeah. year. Now that was only in October. Mm. Now at that time, uh, inflation wasn't running at nine percent, was it? No, it isn't. It wasn't. And uh, the present claim is inflation plus. And I think anyone asking for in- inflation plus is not really living in the real no, world. but I, I already had, my point is, I already had inflation plus. Yeah, 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 no, I get that. They don't say yeah. that. They don't say, well, no, at the time not. when we got 9%, inflation was only at 2%. Of course not. So actually, no. we've already got a 7% rise. Yeah, yeah, and their, their argument on the other side is that they're trying to make up for, for a decline in real wages. That's probably happened, but um, as I say ad nauseum on this uh, show and others, the reason that we've got declining uh, wages and declining productivity is we don't make anything in this country and we have a balance of payments deficit, and we, we're not as productive as we need, need to be. Everything, all of these, you know, teachers, ambulance drivers, firefighters, nurses, civil servants, train drivers, ultimately, most of this, certainly in the public sector, is paid for by profits mm. and surpluses made in the private sector. Yeah. And if you're not trading well enough, you can only pay yourself what you're, what you're earning. And right. that's the basic problem. That's why I characterise it as sort of domestic economics, your household fighting what is a national picture where the money isn't there. Mm. Sharon Graham can say the money is there, but it, Mike, it really isn't there. But also what we see is that in all of these disputes, mm. very little more than about 50% of the people who are working actually want to go on strike. Yes. You know, in fact, in the teaching unions, two out of the three teaching unions didn't get big enough numbers to actually mm. go out on strike, mm. which tells you that not everybody wants to go out on strike. It tells you that basically the people who are milking this to a yeah. large extent are those who have a political leaning, those mm. who are socialists, those who mm. believe like the leader of the NEU, yeah. uh, who used to be uh, the head of socialist teachers or whatever mm. it's called, right? I'm sure. These are people that want to bring down the government. They're all making the same argument. Mm. You know, it can't be true, mm. for example, that teachers, nurses, um, firefighters, um, paramedics, every single member of every single job in every public sector has the mm. same reason for striking, unless they're collaborating with it. I don't know. Uh, you, uh, unions, Union activism uh, has tended to be... Um, it's, it's, a, it's of a similar type, isn't it, across the decades? Who, which which stop, shop steward gets involved? Who gets to the top? It tends to be the activists. Look at the RMT. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they are very political. 
But that aside, I mean, the point I'd make about it is that you've got to ask for something that's reasonable. And, and, and to take the, the nurses, for instance, it's very unusual, Mike, for uh, the Royal College of Nursing to go on strike. It's almost unprecedented. But they have. They've, got, mm. you know, they've been on strike. And to ask for 20% plus, I mean, you look at it realistically, Mike, if they got 20% plus, it would break, financially break, the very mm. trusts they work for. Yeah, but also, they can't get just whatever they want to ask for. I no. mean, there are plenty of people that I speak to who have regular jobs and mm. who are relatively happy with what their lot is, but mm. they say, well, it would be great if I could get a 20% pay rise, mm. but I can't go and strike in order to try and get it mm. because I know I won't get it. So what's the point? Everybody wants more money. They do, but the, but the, point, the, the wider point I'd make on this is that, and this is why the government does have a role, I mean, I think the, you, can, you, can say, you can praise the government saying we're not giving in, but on the other hand, on, on the railways... I've criticised them because they're not. There's no one at the other side of the table. Mm. So the RMT and the and Aslev and the others are saying we want this, mm. and then you have a chaotic side at the other side, side of the table. You've got several different companies and the the networks, and there's no one to, to negotiate with. Meanwhile, Mike, and you know, in this city above all cities, the collateral cost to the wider economy of these these things ramp up. Mm. And so, even in a in a single sector like the hospitality sector, the rail strikes in December were estimated to cost it, you know, one and a half billion yeah. quid. Now, when you have a situation where the collateral damage to the economy and wider society, which is far bigger than the, 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 the claim they're putting in, uh, it, it's, 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 it's not a rational situation. You've got to come to the table and meet in the middle. I've, I think the only solution to this is to meet in the middle. I don't think you can... They, they, I think it's reasonable for people to ask for pay rises when you've got ramp, rampant inflation, but to ask for more than inflation is... is I don't is think un- it's reasonable for teachers who just got a 9% pay rise less than three months ago, mm. four months ago, to say they now need another 20 that's not reasonable. No, that's ridiculous. That's and it's ridiculous. ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. And no, I don't I, think it's even reasonable to ask for another pay rise. By all means, say, we'd like to have this looked at once again they, in the coming 12 months, because yeah. why not? But not everybody gets a pay rise every single year unless their actual uh, productivity improves or yeah, unless their but, job somehow becomes a more important job. You know, I don't know anyone in the private hmm. sector who just willy-nilly gets a pay rise every single year just it, because they're there. It is. It is. It, private sector and public sector are quite different, aren't they? I mean, the the civil servants are asking for uh, uh, an increase, which is uh, actually their claim is a little bit more reasonable, around nine or ten percent. Uh, but I think they'd have a better chance of getting if they all actually got back to work. I mean, well, another, I another issue. Have... Another issue here is you're st- the economy is still reeling from people not turning up mm. and staying at home and working uh, in the pajamas. And they should be back at work. I mean, know? I think the other problem that we've got here is that people don't work very hard in this country mm. and public sector people in particular do mm. not provide very good services for an awful lot of people so therefore why should they get any kind of pay rise would be my uh, question it's, I mean the NHS um, is absolutely falling down around itself right mm. they claim it's because it's underfunded mm. funnily enough the teachers are claiming they're underfunded funnily mm. enough the paramedics are claiming they're underfunded everybody's underfunded but you, right? go, well do your job and then I'll maybe get, you'll get more money I'll go back to it the, the, the economy you can only spend the money you earn you know, and that's that's a reality which the union ha- unions have to accept on their side. It's not saying, well, we want this and that, but uh, unless the money, I mean, the, the the government is in deficit this year as it was last year mm. substantially. The money isn't there. You can say that's why I'd argue that you've got to, for the sake of the economy, the wider, for the country's sake, you've got to try and uh, get a deal that's not uh, unreasonable. Not and also, all of these people in the public sector are asking for me and yeah, you yeah. and everybody else who pays tax to pay more tax so that they can have more money. I don't yeah. think so. That's not happening. How about this from Sarah Vine? She says, does anyone give a fig about all of us hardworking taxpayers whose lives are being wrecked 
by strikes. And I think she speaks for the vast majority of people in this country who are not on strike, who would just like to go about their daily business, who would like to be able to send their children to school, yeah. who would like to be able to get the operation that they were saying they were told they were going to get on the day they were going to get it, uh, who would like to be able to uh, get an ambulance to hospital when they need one. That's the point about collateral damage. And when the, when the cost of the damage to the wider economy and people can't get to work, uh, you know, companies going business, the high street's failing... Uh, you can't really afford this. You've got the, people have to try and settle. But no, uh, we can't afford it. It's we not can't. That, it's not yeah. that the government can't. We can't afford it. Well, so it amounts. We've to got the same no thing. more money to give. It amounts to the same thing, Mike. You, you're, you're, the, all, all that this will do is that you borrow more down the line. Mm. So the mathematics of the, the household is set against the country. Uh, it was very interesting, actually. Someone made a comment on the on the riots in France mm. and the claims, you know, because Macron wants to put the retirement age up, so they retire, you know, so the, there are riots, but. Frankly, if you're if you care about France, if you care about the economy and the government and the ability of that society to pay for itself, you can't uh, resist what he's doing. No, you, you can't. You can't. People are living longer. You know, yeah. you can't. I mean, I make this point all the time about pensions. You mm. can't expect people to be paid more yeah. and longer for being on a pension than they were actually working. Reality, which is sometimes what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but stay where you are. William Clouston is here, leader of the Social Democratic Party. We're going to be talking about a great many things coming up later on. We'll be talking about why they're coming for your wood-burning stove. I'm not having it. Uh, you can take it from my cold, dead hands, as Charlton Heston would say. This is Talk TV. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, this from Mike. He says, my friend is a teacher. She told me she won't be going on strike and that she is happy with her pay. Her big beef is there isn't any equipment and that she is buying pencils for her own children. Um, well, that does seem ridiculous. But like many things in this country... Um, no doubt the teaching business isn't very well run. Uh, here's one from Lee in Rugby. The teachers bleat on about their workload. The class size and the school day length is the same now as it was 40 years ago. It's not about workload, it's greed. £40,000 salaries and 13 weeks off. Uh, nice work if you can get it. Uh, my brother was a teacher. Very frustrated at other teachers' attitude, uh, says this texture. He used to say most entered the classroom at five years old and left with a good pension 50 years later. Well, that's true. Um, I should tell you that, uh, that my son's uh, school is on... Uh, closed today because they couldn't find out how many teachers were actually going on strike but they just sent me an email about uh, the year 11 prom um, which in these difficult times of course uh, they understand is hard to pay for it's gonna be 44 quid 44 quid are you having a laugh I mean, you know, honestly, shouldn't they be teaching people online or something today? It used to be free. Uh, well, I don't even know why they have a prom. What's a prom for? I yeah. never had a prom when I left school. It's an American thing. I know it is. Yeah. I mean, I ask that rhetorically. I mean, I know what a prom is. <laughs> I mean, just, yes, but, yeah. you know, why are we doing it? Yeah. And why does it cost nearly £50? Pounds? Because what the Americans do, we have to do. Why? Yeah. Well, it's just what they've decided. But, you know, you won't hear that inside the classroom because they hate America because it's a yeah. capitalist country. Well, they've taken, socialist a lot of, they've, teachers. they've taken a lot of its progressive wokery, haven't they? That's oh, all we have. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of uh, wokery, uh, how about this government mm. uh, and the accusations that were made at the weekend from Big Brother Watch um, that many people, including myself mm. and Julie Hartley Brewer, to name mm. but two, mm. uh, were on a sort of watch list, effectively, mm. uh, because we didn't agree with what they were doing. Well, you and, and uh, Peter Hitchens yeah. and Toby Young and a lot of other people. Yeah, this is actually quite shocking. Uh, here we are thinking we live in a free society where yeah. we can... Uh, it's our job. I mean, it's my job as a politician to criticise the government if I think it should be criticised. Yeah. And that's what they I was doing. They don't get a free pass. That's what I was doing. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was doing. And I never, ever, throughout the whole period, I mean, the SDP was the only 
party that really consistently objected to lockdowns, mm. successive lockdowns throughout. Yeah. Separate question from vaccination, but you know, we, we objected to them. We 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 were taking an entirely rational view. Government goes around boasting about evidence based policy. Mm. Uh, we were applying logic to the lockdowns. We, well, were, we were asking out, questions. Well, so-called evidence-based policy didn't apparently have any evidence behind it. No. Well, I mean, they, they just think of a think of a policy, uh, tell people you've got scientific backing, and yeah. then make them do it. And forget about the costs of the suppression measures themselves. All we ever really asked was, are you sure that you're not going to kill more people by the, the effect of the lockdowns, mm. and, and, and actually, as the excess death rates are coming through, which could you know you'll have you could have a tale that's five years, ten years from this yeah. chaos. All we were doing was pointing that out. And meanwhile, it turns out the government use a, a part of the army, this uh, MOD seventy seventh mm. brigade, which is meant to be there to uh, look at foreign enemies, yes, and uh, not not uh, supervise and snoop on people doing their job. So it is actually quite appalling, um, you know. Peter Hitchens said that quite a few of his uh, his output over this period just didn't get the cut through mm. that it might have yeah. done. And people who are on the side of the government on this, of course, mm. say things, really stupid things like, oh, well, you're still writing for the Mail on Sunday. What do you mean you were shut down? Well, when you see that YouTube uh, videos, YouTube um, uh, trigonometry interview. Um, yeah. The trigonometry interview that disappeared. Mm. We mm. used to do regular mm. uh, big numbers on YouTube with Peter mm. Hitchens' interviews. They mm. disappeared from Trace and suddenly yeah. they, were, they were no more. Um, this very station was taken off YouTube mm. for no good reason, mm. uh, thanks to three interviews that Julie Hartley Brewer did, all of which were perfectly well within mm. uh, the realms of Ofcom regulation. Mm. Um, and it was this kind of uh, arbitrary nonsense that mm. used to happen every time you'd post something on Facebook you'd get a warning from you know some dweeb in California saying yeah. some of the information in this interview may be misleading well, the big when it wasn't yeah I mean the big that's that's power without accountability yeah. or responsibility the big tech stuff and that's that's quite sinister as well but you know in a free society it's our job to do it we as I say we I, I think the most irritating thing at all the sad thing really is that a lot of the points we're making about the cost about the sort of wheel of rationality just falling off uh, during lockdowns mm. that we made are, are sadly true and um, I never personally I, you know I, t I took the vaccine I had the third jab and I, I don't think I'll have any more yeah. I had COVID but uh, you know we weren't we never uh, put out anything that was unreasonable, I don't think, throughout. I think we just asked questions well, I think that should have been asked. Yeah, the disturbing thing, I think, for most sensible people and Democrats as well, mm. uh, is that, you know, whether or not you're, you were right to ask the questions, you have a right to ask those questions, and so does everybody else. And so by, by no means did anybody elect a government uh, to be a dictator, dicta dictatorial organisation which you couldn't question. But they saw us, Mike. That's the problem, is the government, a government unit paid for by our taxes, saw us as adversaries um, and attempted to adapt uh, b the, our behaviour effectively, uh, you know, to try and silence people asking normal questions. Mm. Well, as I say, one of the most depressing things during the whole lockdown, uh, the, the successive not lockdowns, was the 5pm briefings, and I, I think the... The main, a lot of the mainstream media just didn't do its job. No, I mean, I, I there was one question which they never basically asked: Are you sure that the um, the effects won't, you know, aren't worse than the cure? Mm. Um, and and somehow that never got asked, you know. And it was the most uh, most important question of all. Yeah. Um, so this is this is sinister. Oh, I think large portions of the media were absolutely hopeless and Useless. complicit uh, mm. in what went on, and mm. and should forever be ashamed of what what mm. happened with mm. them. Mm. But there we are. Um, just to, on, on a cheerier note, I've got a great uh, picture here that's been sent in from Andy, uh, travelling on Greater Anglia trains. There's a, a sign that goes across the top. 
which changes daily. Mm. Uh, today's sign says, please avoid travelling on our trains. Right. While you're on the train. Right. Well, that's not going to boost uh, sales of tickets. Not really, is it? That's <laughs> not going to be great for the economy. <laughs> no. Let's talk about a story that we actually covered last week. Um, mm. But you wanted to touch upon uh, the story yeah. that uh, it comes out. That every six days, mm. somebody's murdered in this country by uh, somebody who is on probation. Mm. And this comes after, um, we had a case last week, didn't we, mm. of, the, uh, of the guy McSweeney, Jordan mm. McSweeney, who's mm. gone back to prison now for mm. committing another murder when yeah. he was out, when he shouldn't have been out. Yeah, and, and we need to think of the victims here. Uh, interestingly, we, um, I got into a, a little minor Twitter spat a couple of days ago when uh, Nick Timothy wrote a piece in The Telegraph. Um, uh, part of the piece was arguing that prison works. And, of course, logically it must work because you, you put violent uh, criminals behind bars mm-hmm. and for the period of time they're behind bars, they can't be violent and murder people and rape people and assault people. Yeah. That's, that's basics. And uh, anyway, I, 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 I copied uh, Nick, Nick Timothy's piece and Rory Stewart, the liberal politician who you know, is, is, uh, was in the Tory party, yes. uh, says, no, no, you can't say that prison works. Well, he hadn't read the article. I mean, the article, Nick's, the, the article was actually about a man that uh, had attacked and knocked down, uh, brutally assaulted a, a man in the northeast and raped his his uh, girlfriend. Mm. And uh, sorry, I mean, prison must be. I mean, people like that must be locked up and sure. put safely behind bars. Yeah. To think otherwise, uh, you, you're sort of li- living in a, a parallel universe. And what irritates me about this, uh, in terms of general public policy, is that the people that govern us don't take any responsibility. You know, obviously, everyone heard about the case of uh, Tom Roberts, young man that was killed in Bournemouth mm. by uh, an asylum seeker who was granted asylum here. He'd murdered and under false pretenses because yeah. he pretended he was a child when he was not. That's right, clearly not a child, and he, you know, he was a wrong. And, and uh, we took him in, and he's and someone pays with their life. And the problem is that, I mean, you cut. Rhetorically, what would, what would be the situation, Mike, if 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 the Home Secretary or the Prime Minister took proper responsibility for the people that are coming in on the South Coast undocumented and unvetted, mm. right? They come in and they say, look, if any of these people uh, get into serious trouble, I'll take the sentence. Then, yeah. funny, it would be dealt with. It, it would be. Because we've got another case coming up uh, later on today. We're going to talk to Ben Habib about it, mm. of a failed asylum seeker uh, who was turned down for asylum, should have been deported, um, but was not deported, was, was taken in by mm. a very kindly elderly woman in uh, North Yorkshire, in, uh, in North Yorkshire yeah. um, uh, who ended up yeah. staying in her house, yeah. taking advantage of her, and then murdering her brutally. I read about that, yeah, it was still right? in Adele, yeah. Just yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable. But, in, uh, yeah. but, the point, but the question has to be, you know, not how could this have happened, but how mm. is he still here mm. if he's been turned down for asylum? It's insane. I mean, they don't, the, the figures, the, na- the aggregate national figures show that you, if you get here, you stay, pretty much. I mean, the, 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 the numbers of, of repatriations, deportations, mm. are so small. I mean, you know, it's, it's tiny numbers, under 100. You just don't... This is why I keep on going on about the incentives. The incentive to stay, the incentive to come is massive, because if you get here, you stay here. Yeah. I mean, it just, we're just and not again, up to it. And, of course, again, the arguments that are made about why it must be right... Uh, people say, oh, well, because, you know, most of the people who apply for asylum eventually get it. Well, they eventually get it because they stay here for so long. They don't actually get asylum. They actually get residence. They just wear Because wear, they've been wear living the, here for yeah, so long. Wear the system down. Mm. So, I, again, I say that any any politician that is serious about having a 
border sovereignty and a secure border. Yeah. You have to get out of the protocol. It's not asking too much, is no, it? No, these are the basics. These used to be the basics, Mike, that be this current generation of politicians mm. have just forgotten about. No responsibility taken. It'll be all right. It doesn't affect them. And actually, that's the, that's the point. It largely doesn't mm. affect them. It affects other people. Mm. It affects the rest of us, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. William, good to see you, as ever. We're out of time, unfortunately. William Clouston there uh, with a look at the realities of life, because that's what we're looking at here. Uh, we're looking at probation services that don't work. We're looking at prison sentences that don't work. We're looking at police arrest records that don't happen. We're looking at asylum seekers who fail to get to the qualified uh, to stay here, but they don't stay anyway. We're picking, we've got people being murdered by people who shouldn't be here. We've got plenty of people who should be here who murder people as well. That's not the point. But we've got to get on with this and we've got to fix it, haven't we? 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. This is Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk radio and Talk TV. Well, welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV on a day uh, when there's an awful lot of people not doing any work of any kind. We're told that something like half a million people are out today, not going to work. Let's see if we can tally up exactly what's going on. Uh, on the teaching front, uh, something like 100,000 teachers in 23,000 schools across England and Wales are affected. Uh, thousands of railway drivers, represented by ASLEF apparently, are striking, meaning there's no trains across 15 networks. 100,000 civil servants and 124 government departments are walking out, including DVLA. Uh, 1,900 members of the Unite Union employed by Abellio in London will walk out for three days of strikes and no buses. 70,000 members of the University and College Union employed in 150 UK universities striking. Security guards at University College London will down tools. What tools are they downing uh, in a row over pay and outsourcing? I mean, these people, unbelievable. What the hell do they think they're doing? Bringing uh, the economy to a standstill? No, because they don't actually produce anything, right? Some of the teachers who have walked out are still going to be paid today. But guess why? Because they didn't inform uh, the schools as to whether they were going to go on strike. So a lot of the schools have shut down anyway, not knowing whether they could open because they didn't get the information. Now, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about teachers, then I'm sorry. I cannot help you. But let's talk now to Len Shackleton, who's a rail expert uh, at the Institute of Economic Affairs, also Professor of Economics at the University of Buckingham, because walkout Wednesday is upon us, Len. Um, but there's an awful lot of people who haven't walked out, an awful lot of people who are just trying to get on with their daily lives today, aren't they? There are. Uh, I was listening before to what you were saying, Mike, about the, the, the way in which the government uh, messes up a whole range of things. And I mean, one of the things I've been talking about recently is the plans for the railway in the future, rather than, uh, you know, we may patch up the current rail dispute. Um, I think that's what will probably happen. Yeah. But it'd be foolish to kick the can down the road and, and, and not rethink what we're doing with the railways because they are in a complete mess. And the idea of giving it all back to the governments in the form of a, a new type of British rail, mm. a nationalised industry, I think is, is fundamentally wrong. Yes. I mean, I suppose the question on most people's lips today will be, what is the point of all this striking? Because it's now been going on 
for quite a long time uh, in the railway workers' case, I think months and months and months and months. Nothing seems to be changing. The government's positions don't seem to be changing. Um, the NHS uh, continues with its strikes, but they haven't really had the effect, I don't think, that they thought they would have. I think people are generally more resigned to it now. Where, I mean, I, I personally walk in to work every day, assuming somebody's on strike, not really knowing exactly who it is, um, and just getting on with it. Yeah, uh, well, you're, you're fortunate if you if, if you can walk into work, Mike. Uh, uh, I live in Shoebury-Ness, and uh, the only way I can get in really is by train, and so today I'm at home. Right. Uh, my kids are at home in the other room, you know, they're... Um, they're, they're off because of the teachers, uh, the teachers strike. Yeah, it's it's a mess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of people just think, well, the government ought to, uh, you know, settle with them and so on. But you're talking about huge amounts of money to mm. settle all these claims, aren't yeah. you? You're talking, I mean, some estimates suggest it's somewhere between 10 and 20 billion pounds, which it will cost to meet the, uh, the claims which are being made. Mm. And that's, you know, that's two or three P on income tax, on the standard rate of income tax or something like that. Uh, it has to be paid for in some way. And, and we are in a very difficult situation here, I think. The government should not uh, just uh, roll over to keep, uh, you know, the, 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 the media people mm. happy. You know, we see all this stuff on, on the BBC, for example. I was watching the other night when, you know, it, it, it's very much oriented towards isn't it terrible these people are not being paid enough and mm. so on why don't we dip into the government's uh, bottomless pockets and, and pay for it well this Wrong. is this is the problem you shouldn't i've told you before len you shouldn't watch the bbc it's bad for you you know what it does <laughs> is it, it leads you down a very dangerous road of depression and and you know um just incredulity because everybody goes on about the government having this bottomless pit of money but it's our money right first of all and also the main reason why these people are all demanding a pay rise is because they say the cost of living has gone up. Well, the cost of living is the cost of living. You know, it's the same for everybody. Um, and the cost of living is not an increased, um, um, it's not a reason to increase the amount of money you get. You know, it's unfortunate that the cost of living has gone up. But the fact is, is that you are not doing a better job than you were last year. Why should you get more money? In fact, quite the reverse. Most of the public services that we now receive are actually a lot worse than they were. Yeah, well, obviously, COVID and the and the energy stuff um, are a big hit to the economy. And somebody, you know, we, we have to pay for that in terms of a, a slightly reduced living standard for a year or two, I think. And we have to, uh, we can't assume that we can just, you know, borrow yet more money to, to, to get us out of this, uh, this particular hole. I mean, you mentioned productivity there, Mike, and, and really people do need reminding that the only sustainable way uh, to get pay increases uh, for the, across the economy in the long run is to increase productivity. And our productivity record in this country is dreadful. Yeah. Uh, much of it, I think, is because of the various restrictions which there are on economic activity uh, in, the, in the private sector, which uh, means that the, you know, the, the productivity rate and the growth rate have slowed considerably over the last decade or so. And we need to get back onto a high growth, high productivity track. And we won't do it by simply borrowing yet more money mm. or raising taxes to pay for inflated wage claims. No. Tell us about your plan for the railways, Len, because that's your kind of area of expertise. What, what is it that you would offer as an alternative to kind of renationalisation? Well, what I was uh, saying in the article I wrote yesterday, Mike, was, was that um, there are, you know, we're, we're in great danger of uh, throwing, you know, the, the classic throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There are, are many, many things wrong with the 
franchise system, which has uh, you know has now been uh, virtually abandoned. But there were bright spots with with uh, privatisation. When it first began, we got great improvements on parts of the railway, on, on, on the West Coast Main Line with Pendolinos and so on. Uh, Chiltern Railways uh, did a great job in uh, improving services to Birmingham and, and to Oxford and so on. Um, and of course, the, uh, the, the numbers travelling on the railways doubled in, uh, you know, after privatisation. So we, we, we need to think, what were the good elements? And one of the good elements, I, I was, I, which I don't think is sufficiently discussed, is freight. Uh, you know, freight is a, a, an entirely private operation. You know, the six or seven uh, companies which uh, are for-profit companies and make a profit, they just pay to hire track. Uh, and and uh, they're otherwise a commercial operation. Mm. The other yeah. the other thing which uh, people are perhaps more aware of is these innovative. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Open access uh, rail operations. Uh, the 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 headline one recently has been Lumo. This operation from uh, from King's Cross up to Edinburgh, which is much cheaper uh, than LNER and is a, an airline style service, which has taken away a great chunk of the airline business between London and the Scottish capital. And it's things like this. Which and how does, that work, well, how does that how does work then? How does that work? Well, they, they, they uh, you know, these are private companies which hire um, timetable slots, essentially, on okay. the railways. And, uh, you know, they pay for it all themselves. And, uh, you know, they hire their own uh, employees. Uh, they hire or, or purchase their own rolling stock and so forth. Right. And they're completely outside the mainstream operation. And, uh, you know, uh, people may, may be aware of whole trains. It's another Grand Central uh, to to neglected region uh, parts of the uh, uh, of the north. Uh, now the way in which this has, this has operated in the past is that you're only allowed to run one of these things if you could show that you were going to increase the market, not take away market share mm. from mm. the you know from the government's franchises. Now with the scrapping of the franchise system, I think that justification is gone, and we ought to be looking at uh, certainly on the main. Uh, the, the main intercity routes, we ought to be looking at open access operations as the norm rather than the exception. Mm. Uh, you know, if, if these things make a loss, they close down. 
they're not a burden on the taxpayer. Right. Uh, and that's the, you know, we ought to be building on things like that rather than... Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's, a, that's a great idea because I think in the end, people get sick to death of subsidising railway companies which make vast amounts of money um, for themselves and pay themselves vast amounts of uh, salaries and, and dividends and all the rest of it. Uh, meanwhile, the, 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 the paying passenger uh, keeps seeing fares going up and up and up and up and the service getting worse. And so there doesn't appear to be anything good in that uh, for the consumer, whereas that model sounds a lot better. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, something which really uh, seriously ought to be investigated. Of course, the unions are dead against it. I mean, one of the things about it, Mike... You surprise me. It it would break up this kind of monolithic thing where where all the railways are out on strike at Mm. the same time, because it's essentially we've moved back to a a virtually nationalised railway where the government is actually running the whole show at the moment, the Department of Transport. Uh, where you've got uh, individual companies, they form their own deals with, with, with and, uh, and if one company is closed down because of the strike, it doesn't mean the whole operation is closed down. Uh, so that's that's one thing. The other thing is that we ought to be very wary of uh, network rail. Uh, sorry, of of, of uh, the 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 um, uh, the track and, and, and the 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 road uh, the um, stations and so forth all being in the hand of a monopoly. Uh, body. We ought to think about breaking that up as well. Well, network uh, rail doesn't seem to me to be fit for purpose. But we've got to run. Len, thank you very much indeed. Len Shackleton there uh, giving his view of how we could actually transform the railways into something that is more friendly for the consumer, which doesn't cost the government money, therefore doesn't cost taxpayers money, and actually uh, is something that you can look forward to depending upon again, which at the moment, quite simply, it isn't. William Clouston was telling us today that he's got to get the last train back to the northeast of England from London today on a strike day. Um, and the last train goes around about 3 p.m. Brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely shambolic. 0344 499 1000. We'll take some calls very shortly. Claude, stay where you are. We'll come to you in a moment. Also, I'll be telling you why this government wants to come after your wood burning stove. This is Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Of course, all the way through until one o'clock when Ian Collins is around uh, and then it's all the way through till four with him. Uh, I'm going to be on the talk tonight uh, from nine o'clock. So um, hopefully uh, my voice will hold out until then. Barbara's in Warwickshire. Let's talk to her. Hello, Barbara. Hello. Hello there, Mike. How are you doing? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. I'm sorry to hear about your cold. Yeah, well, don't worry. I mean, I'm I'm not really um, looking for sympathy, but I was really, really irritable when I couldn't speak because the one thing I need to be able to do in life is speak. I can understand that. You know. Quite understandable. Now, the thing is, what I'm I'm really sick of hearing and being about these migrants that are coming here and exploiting our generous spirit. Mm. I mean, really, I, I, I think we ought to get a backbone and we ought to make, make it clear that if any of these migrants come across and they haven't got a passport or an identifying mm. document, yeah. then they should be immediately arrested. Yes. And that should be, that should be because made... Because they're effectively entering the country illegally, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. That's right. You couldn't do that anywhere else no. without a passport or identifying documents. And we, we all, well, I think what we ought to do is to sort of, I don't know, take out advertisements or make it clear to the Albanian media Mm. so that they know before they get here. Yes. Well, I mean, the thing that they do know, though, for sure, and everybody knows in the world, Barbara, I think is a problem, that as long as they can get here and put their feet on the ground, they'll never be kicked out. 
Never. So that's right. I mean, it's crazy, isn't mm. it? It really is ludicrous. And, and it's dangerous because, you know, we don't know who these people are. We don't know what they're here for. And many of them are here for, for no good purpose, it seems to me. We don't know the calibre of them. No. Anything about them at all. And it's all wrong. Mm. We should totally. Be definitely. Definitely getting a backbone and, and, and making some changes. Yes, I agree. Totally agree, Barbara. Well said. How about this from Christopher, who says, I'm going on strike today. Oh, no, I can't work uh, because I work 16 hours a day, seven days a week, caring for my mother, 10 years with Parkinson's, and my father on palliative care with bone cancer. I think I deserve to strike for more money as I receive £69 a week for my efforts. Well, that's the reality of life, Christopher, uh, unfortunately for you and for many people. But we're looking now, as I speak, at a whole host of um, hundreds of people uh, who are fighting for their right to strike, waving placards. You know, there'll be plenty of socialist worker banners down there. Lots of kazoos being broke. Oh, look, bring down the Tories. What's that got to do with going on strike? That seems to be the placard of note, doesn't it? Bring down the Tories. That's what this is all about. That's what I've been telling you for many, many weeks. Uh, let's talk to Frank, who's in Essex. Hi, Frank. Hi, how you doing, Mike? Very good, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, talk about Woodbury Stowe is a bit of a change Go on. for you. Um, I had put in two ten years ago. Right. Um, I got them issued, which means they're smokeless, um, and I have solar panels. So it's, you know, not, it was just, just so you know, take the pressure off the system if you can. I and mean, if you can be a little bit self-sufficient, and why not? And wood is also carbon neutral. What it yep. takes in is what it burns. Right. Um, so that's much better than a coal fire. Um, or, you know, a power station. So for the government to go around and say, oh, we're going to start um, fining people for basically cutting out the tax on the gas and the electric right. and trying to support the local people who provide wood, you know, it's a sustainable product, is, is, is a little bit crazy, really. Well, it I is. Wonder if, and I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine who actually works at the uh, Home Office, mm. um, no, civil servant, sorry, and they were basically trying to make out that wood burning stoves are, are, are massive pollutants and things like that. Well, if you maintain it and you get the right one, mm. they're better than the than anything, better than you know most things. Well, I, I, I think that's right. I mean, Victor's tweeted me, and I wonder if this is what it's all about. He says wood burning stove, no fuel tax or VAT for the government. Yes. No wonder they don't like them. Yeah, because I pay a man who has a coppice. You mm. know, he lets the wood dry, he gives it to me, I give him some money, and, you know, that's how it works. Yeah. That's how, you know, you're supporting the local economy. Yeah. Um, but if I want to go and buy some wood from a local supermarket or wherever people want to buy their wood or coal, it's a fortune. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, if you try, I mean, on the odd occasion when, 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 say, you run out or something like that and, and you have yeah. to sort of go, say, for a couple of days with the stuff you have to buy at a local garage or something like that, it's ludicrously yeah. expensive, isn't it? Yeah. And also it supports, you know, your chimney sweeps. This is, you know, it's mad. All we're doing is trying to centralise everything. And, you know, you must be dependent on the coal or the electric fire stations or power stations where you have to buy it from us. We will set a tax. We will set a tariff. You will just be dependent on us. And I'm not one of these preppy type people. I'm not like that at all. No. But, you know, we shouldn't have to have just one choice. Well, I don't you understand know. how some people seem to think that wood-burning stoves are bad for the environment when you're literally burning something uh, which is natural. Yes, 
you know, right. carbon is take carbon is made by the tree. You release this and it, and it, and it absorbs it while it's growing, taking it out, and you release exactly the same out. Right. Zero. Right. So they want the zero. They want this zero pollution that they all go on about. That is exactly how wood burning stoves are highly efficient. Mm. Open fires aren't as long as you're not burning wet wood. Um, which is stupid. Right. Which is pretty know, hard to that. do, to be honest. I mean, you have to be a bit of an idiot to be burning wet wood anyway. Yeah. yeah. It so doesn't really burn. Been banned. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you need to have it properly dried, down to about 20%. But if you know what you're doing and you have it fitted by a proper person who will sell you one, which is rated for the smokeless zone, yeah. I have two. Right. I don't have to be in the smokeless zone, but you can have a wood burning stone rated for smokeless. Yeah. I mean, it's not actually, actually rocket science, is it? Frank, well said. Thank you very much indeed. Frank in Essex, uh, on behalf of the wood-burning stove um, facility. Because, yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you have a wood-burning stove? The idea that somehow the government is going to start fining people for polluting the atmosphere because they're burning wood in a wood-burning stove is nonsensical, isn't it? Complete madness. 0344-499-1000 is the number to call us on. We're going to come up uh, and talk to you very soon about uh, Prime Minister's questions, which comes up at midday, of course. The Keir Starmer taking on Rishi Sunak. Uh, We'll be bringing that to you live right here, so you won't want to miss any of that. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk about dangerous dogs, because I'm afraid there's been yet another murder of a young child on behalf of a dog. The dog has been put down. It happened in Milton Keynes. The child was only four years of age. No arrests have been made. We don't know an awful lot about what happened. All we do know uh, is that a little child is dead and a dog is responsible. And somehow something's got to be done about it. We'll be talking to Stan Rawlinson. Dog behaviour is coming next. The home of common sense. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Another terrible story uh, broke overnight. A four-year-old girl uh, killed by a dog uh, in the back garden of a house in Milton Keynes. Uh, No arrests have been made. Not much detail exactly has emerged as to what might have happened. Uh, But clearly uh, a dog was out of control, uh, attacked a child, and now the child is dead. And so is the dog, because the dog was put down, uh, obviously, as a result of what happened. We also yesterday got news uh, that Natasha Johnson, who was 28, who was attacked uh, by a group of dogs that she was walking, as many as eight dogs possibly at a time, uh, down in Caterham in Surrey on the 12th of January. Uh, She died from multiple penetrating dog bites to the neck, including... Um, a breaking of the jugular vein, as far as we understand it. Let's talk to Stan Rawlinson now, dog behaviourist, because, uh, Stan, hi, very good morning to you. Um, it's a difficult, It's always difficult, this, isn't it, to try and work out whether there is anything that you can sort of, you know, work out as a, as a common thread to any of these stories. You know, dogs are wonderful creatures but can turn very quickly for no reason in particular. We're not really sure which kind of dog uh, committed this latest atrocity. Um but it's, it's a subject that people continue to debate because some people believe we should ban certain breeds of dogs, others don't. What's your take on it all? I think that the, uh, the laws that we've got at the moment, a 1991 dangerous dog now, just doesn't work. Right. It's unfit for purpose. It didn't do anything. It was a knee-jerk reaction by the government at that particular time. They've never really, none of the, none of the parties have ever really got to grips with the problems that we have. And some of the parties have actually exacerbated it. Uh, So there's a lot of things we can do, but unfortunately, no one's getting a grip of the situation. Uh, The 
the 1991 Dangerous Dogs Act banned four breeds. You've probably heard of one of them, the pit bull, mm. but I doubt if you've heard of the other three. The other three is a Doga Argentina, Fila Brasilia, and the Japanese Tosa. Mm. I've never seen one in no. 50 years of working with dogs. Uh, Andy, as an expert witness under the Dangerous Dogs Act, I've never seen any of those three banned breeds. Why they were put on there, I have no idea. Mm. Yeah, no one has really got to grips with it. And also, the other problem with the breeds being named as such is that if there's any kind of mixing of the breeds, then it doesn't apply to that dog, does it? So, I mean, you might even have uh, a pit bull which doesn't have all of the characteristics of a pit bull because it's got a bit of something else in it, and then suddenly it's not covered by the act anyway. Ninety percent of the dog attacks that go on that are reported—that's just the tip of the iceberg. It really is. The reported ones are the ones that we hear about. Uh, but uh, the crosses are particularly the latest fan of building uh, and, and creating dogs called uh, Bully XLs. Mm. These are enormous dogs weighing in excess of 100 pounds. If they attack anyone, then they've got a chance of killing them. There is a lot of things we can do that change all that. We can look at how we do breeding. But the biggest, biggest problem that I found as a dog psychologist, dog behaviorist, is education. Yeah. It's a general public not understanding how dogs learn in the early time of their life. The first 16 weeks of the dog's life is the most important of any other time times 10. What you do in that first 16 weeks will determine what dog you get at the end of it. If you're not educated and you don't know what that's all about, then how could you possibly do it? If yeah. you think about humans, we've got the same thing. The first five and a half years of a child's life, what you put in at that first five and a half years creates the personality mm. that everything afterwards is just the education, is just learning. Yeah. And that is the problem, isn't it? Because we also saw uh, in that dog walker case where um, there was a whole series of different types of dogs that she was walking, including two Dachshunds, I think. Um, and it wasn't that clear whether all the dogs had attacked her or whether it was just the big one that had attacked her. And we still don't really know why at the end of the day, do we? Uh, I, I think I do know, and uh, I can probably talk about it now, the reason being is it, 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 that there's going to be no prosecutions under that case right. at all by any of the owners of the dogs uh, or whatever. Uh, the dogs are in custody at this moment in time because it appears that nearly all of the dogs attacked. And what happens under that circumstance, I think what's got ha what happened here is when the dog walker got there, she had eight dogs. Uh, she probably had a new dog on there mm. and it was probably a kerfuffle uh, uh, between uh, the new dog and the old dogs as she got it out or got the dogs out the back of the car and when that happens they can start fighting each other yeah if anyone gets involved you then get what's called redirected aggression and that redirected aggression means that the dog will think that what's coming in is another dog and will activate on that that all the dogs get totally excited about what's going on and jump in. And mm. I think that's what's happened. And that's why the dogs are still in protective custody, all eight of them. So it was literally but, uh, almost as I, like... As I, as I go back, education is the key. And I believe we should bring back dog licensing. Yeah. 
Well, I wonder about that because um, the problem, of course, I suppose, with making anything illegal, um, uh, if you haven't got a dog licence, is the wrong kind of people will still have dogs um, and not bother licensing them. And it's a question of whether you can police that or not, really, isn't it? Uh, when we're looking at a dog licence, we're not just issuing a dog licence. That's not what I mean. What I mean is a licence is to allow you to own or look after dogs. Mm. So dog walkers should take whether they own their own dog or not. You don't need a license. You do need a license for each dog, but to be able to get a license in the first place for a dog, you would need uh, an educational program, not probably uh, as, as owners in any way or form mm. as getting a car license. Right. But if, if you had to learn about, for instance, the first 16 weeks, and let, let me tell you, I wrote an article just on that, uh, and uh, it is it it, it, it's, it gets more hits than any other article I've ever read. Mm. I've, read I've written uh, two hundred, and that article all you do is type in first sixty weeks, first one six weeks into Google, it comes up first. It's read by a lot of people. It's just not read by everyone. Mm. And it is there to educate people, to tell them how to socialize that dog. Most of these uh, dog attacks are fear-based. They're not dominance-based. A lot of people get it wrong. They think, this is a real bad, nasty dog. In actual fact, in most cases, the actual attack and the bites are fear-based because they have not been socialized. They haven't been around children. They haven't been down around other things, uh, the, the lockdown that we had is causing so many attacks now because those dogs couldn't be socialised with other yeah. dogs, couldn't be socialised with people. It was an absolute disaster for both humans and for dogs yes. and most other things that lockdown. Yeah, so, I mean, if you did have a dog that you got in lockdown, um, what can you do to make sure that, say, for example, the dog doesn't go nuts when it's somehow uh, met with a different atmosphere or a different environment? You can slowly desensitise certain situations. The problem is you cannot put in what wasn't put in in that first 16 weeks. For instance, uh, 0 to 12 weeks is a human socialisation period. 100 people should be handling that puppy. By that time, children, old people, it should be mixed with all of that sort of thing. If you do that, that dog will normally be very, very good with other dogs, with other humans. The zero to 16 weeks is a canine socialization period. That is very simply, you must mix it with other puppies. Mm. You must mix it with other dogs and get it used to other dogs outside of its own uh, its own circle. And that, that unfortunately, does not often happen. Yes. And it's so important. It, it makes a massive difference. Just put that into place and we'll see the dog attack going down dramatically. Mm. Yeah. Good advice. Stan, thank you very much indeed. Stan Rawlinson, dog behaviour is there on the terrible story coming in uh, overnight from Milton Keynes of a four-year-old girl uh, who was left for dead um, and has died as a result of a dog attack. The dog has been put down, uh, but no arrests have been made, which would suggest it was a terrible accident. But how many more of these terrible accidents are we going to have uh, before something is done? Stan says he thinks maybe we should bring back the dog licence. Perhaps he's right. Something certainly does need to be done. And as he said... There could be more of these as a result of the lockdown. So many people got dogs during lockdown. The dogs don't know how to interact with other dogs or with other people. 
And that's a problem, isn't it? 0344 499 1000 is the number. We'll take some calls coming next. Also, uh, we'll bring you up to date uh, with everything that's going to happen uh, in Prime Minister's questions from midday. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is Wednesday, of course. I'll be back tonight from nine o'clock on the talk uh, from our uh, big TV studios outside uh, in West London. Nick Dubois uh, is sitting in for Richard Tice this Sunday at 10 a.m. You won't want to miss that. But he's joining me now. Uh, He was watching, like I was, Prime Minister's questions there. Nick, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Mike. Bit of well, a punch-up, wasn't it? It was a bit of a punch-up. I was quite, quite enjoyed it, actually. It was quite lively. I mean, I can't work out whether the Tory party is worse for bullying uh, than the Labour party is, but uh, but they, they both landed a few punches there, didn't they? Yeah, they did, actually. And, and you know, there is a part of me, I know the proper thing to say is, is isn't it more important that they deal with the issues of the day? Well, yes, it is. But mm. actually, most people who queue up for hours to go to PMQs want to see a bit of a dust up. And that's what they got today. Yeah. I mean, in terms of where they came out, I think it's quite obvious. Labour are going for the sleaze angle, aren't they? Everything he spoke about yes. really was aimed at either Sahaway, uh, Starmer came out basically, I think, convicting Dominic Raab mm. um, of being guilty of the allegations against him, which is rather odd for a direct, former director of public prosecutions, yes. who I thought would stick to the principles that, you know, you're innocent until proved guilty. But um, you, you got all of that. He even dragged Boris Johnson into it. So sleaze is clearly their strategy. And I think we're going to hear more of that from him. Mm. And he didn't have much in way of defence, really, though, for the Rosie Duffield accusations, which she made uh, to to, uh, to Piers Morgan last week on Talk TV, in which she said, basically, uh, that her relationship with the Labour Party was like uh, being in a relationship with an abusive partner. Yeah, I, um, again, Mike, a bit of a tip, by the way, whenever you see the front bench of uh, who are on the receiving end of whatever the person on the other side has said shaking their heads looking pain yes that's actually because they have they're really they know deep down they haven't got an answer for that one but but picking up on on the point um you're absolutely right that in many ways was is an extremely uh, shocking incident when uh, rosie duffield was basically uh, um uh, sort of uh, said i I've, i've been bullied by my own party here and and she she expressed expressed it much more elegantly than me but um no he didn't have an answer for it but interestingly i thought sunak's pre-prepared um line at the end it was quite a forceful line actually he basically said to starmer you can't stand up to union bosses mm. you won't stand up for school children and you won't stand up for women in your own party uh, that's that's clearly going to be a conservative line we're going to hear more of particularly on the unions and i think it actually you know, I'm tr- I always try to be objective here. But until that point, I was thinking, Rishi, you, you've had a bit of an uncomfortable time here. You're probably, you know, 4-3 down. I think he levelled the score sheet at the end of the day when he made that very telling point. He did, although I was away, uh, uh, able to alert the breaking news department here at Talk TV when he said earlier that he had stopped the boats. I was like, hang on a minute, uh, what's he done now that we didn't know about? But he obviously hasn't actually stopped the boats. And quite an interesting last question there, which was the one certainly for a lot of our viewers that they would want to hear, you know, what exactly? is he going to do and disappointingly all we're hearing is still this mantra that he's going to bring in a new law uh, which these people who already break the law anyway will probably no doubt break continually I know you do wonder, actually, if there was a law that could solve this problem after all these years, we probably would have had it by now. And I think that's the fear that lots of people have. And look, it's not just the consequences of 
the boat crossings and the um, uh, uh, that are coming over, for which we all know about and, 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 and are a symptom of a wider problem. But it's actually it's sort of is a slap in the face to the conservative idea that they could, you know, take back control because clearly every day it's blatantly obvious we haven't taken back control of our borders and, and others would say other things. Mm. It really is a crucial issue for Rishi Sunak. I'd almost go so far as to say it will define the fortunes of his government, which, judging by any poll, are um, are pretty weak at the moment. Because if you think about it, um, you know, what's Rishi Sunak basically promising the British people over the next year? He says he's going to halve inflation. He's going to basically reduce waiting lists on the NHS. Well, you know, Boats is in there. He's promising growth and he's promising to deal with debt, which many people will say, hang on, mm. these are all problems that have come up under your watch. So uh, having said that, Whilst there's an absence of a vision, the challenge for Rishi Sunak is to deliver on those five things of which I would say the one that symbolises failure more than anything else across all the prime ministers we've had from the Conservatives is that you're failing to take back control of your borders. Mm, absolutely right. And interesting that Ian Blackford got such a warm uh, welcome because I think he is missed. I mean, I'm sorry to uh, be giving the bad news to his predecessor, to, to his successor rather, um, but it's nowhere near as interesting now without Ian Blackford. No, it, it's interesting because I had to uh, switch from watching you on the television to come up here to get ready for this interview. And I clicked back onto the computer screen and I saw Ian Blackford. And my first thought was to do the traditional groan of displeasure yeah. when I saw it. And at the end of it, I was thinking, gosh, we miss him, don't we? Well, yeah. um, and, uh, and, and, and again, uh, you know, I think I think the 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 answers Rishi Suna actually has uh, for the SNP every time they stand up. I think they're quite compelling, quite, quite reasonable answers. He's, you know, he's smashing them on the fact that they did not honour their referendum yes. pledge, that they do not offer referendums. Frankly, he's just got to keep saying that, I think. Where I think Starmer missed the trick was that actually he really didn't go on strikes because you would have thought on the day that um, uh, something like over half a million people, is it, that are meant to be on strike, I thought he'd go quite heavy on, on that issue. Mm. Maybe he didn't, Mike, because do you know what? These strikes have been going on so long now, I suspect the answer is, you know, why? Because are they going anywhere? Right. What have the strikers actually achieved? But I still think for the Labour Party that there was more in it to talk about it because, believe it or not, they're broadly popular. That Most of them have about at least 40, if not over 50 percent of public support, which defies my thinking or understanding. But you would have thought Labour would want to latch on to that. Well, you might do, but I think it depends on who they're asking. And I think it depends on the polling company and all the rest of it. I mean, I'm certainly not seeing very much sympathy for the teacher strike today, apart from people who are actually either teachers or people who are in support of all strikes because they come from that particular world. But, you know, there's no doubt now looking at some of the strikes that are going on, the marches going on around the country, that the banners that are being held up are not just about the right to strike. They're all about bringing down the Tories, you know, yeah. kicking the Tories out, you know, socialist worker, this, that and the other. And it's nothing to do with the actual job now. It's all to do with, you know, let's try and put as much pressure no, on you're, this government you're, as you're possible. No, you're spot on, Mike. And, you know, I think the Socialist Workers' Party must turn up at everything, in, in, including when someone's queuing to... To, to buy something from a shop. I mean, it's quite... Yeah, I mean, considering they call themselves workers, it's remarkable how little work they appear to do. I mean, the only thing they seem to do is march around holding a load of banners.
It's true. But but I also think that, funny enough, the teachers' strike might be the first time that the public have really felt the impact of the strikes. Now, that's not to downplay the seriousness if you're affected by a, um, a hospital strike, but that's, that's never going to be as many people as it is when you've effectively shut down every school near as damn it. Um, uh, I think per- some people might start to change their views. I also think we don't get enough facts out about the teachers, all right? Because, of course, um, they had, some of them, up to a 9% pay rise, inflation-busting pay rise yeah. last year. Many, uh, all of them are on a, a hugely superb pension that most of us would um, uh, break a, break an arm yeah. for. Do you know, over 23.68% uh, is the amount uh, is added by the employer, us, the taxpayer, yeah to their pension. It basically means that you have to be earning about 40,000, which an awful lot of teachers do earn, before you become what I would say is a net contributor of tax Mm. back to the exchequer taken out of your pay. I mean, none of this is talked about. And I think I think we should go on the offensive and remind people of that. Well, exactly right. And also to talk about unfunded, um, you know, pay rises and tax cuts that need to be made and more money coming from the public sector and more money being delivered for people doing a very tough job. You know, it's all our money at the end of the day. You know, the government doesn't got any. They'd have to get it from you and I. And I don't think we've got it either. No, uh, it's quite obvious we don't have it. You know, we, we, we've, we've got this huge... Let's, what is the figure? It's, uh, I think, at the top of my head, we're paying something like £70 billion on interest in our loans, which is pretty much what you spend on... Uh, uh, much more than you spend on education, mm. more than you spend on defence. And these people want to add to that bill. Yeah. And they have the cheek to say, by paying more to us you're actually securing the future of the younger generations by loading those younger generations with huge amounts of debt, Mm. which is the demands of every single union striker and union boss out there. You are doing more harm from your children's future, the the, the younger generation's future uh, than you think you might be might be doing uh, um, because you're not being paid enough. I know. Absolutely shocking. Well, listen, good to talk to you, Nick. Thanks very much indeed. We'll see you on Sunday, if not before, uh, filling in for Richard Tice uh, Sunday morning from 10 a.m. Nick Dubois, former uh, um, MP, of course, himself, uh, author as well. Uh, a great man. We'll hear from him this weekend. Coming up, we'll take a couple more of your calls. And of course, uh, Ian Collins will be here. He's coming up at one o'clock. This is Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.